What's going on, guys? Hey, it's Anthony here at the Culture Jack Podcast. It is the OTE. We're talking Hawkeye episode three. So if you guys have not caught this episode, there's going to be a ton of spoilers. So you either listen to the episode now, uh, if you have watched it, or I'm going to ruin it for you. So either way, I uh, am digging this series. It's uh, kind of a different pace. It's getting huge accolades from just about everybody that's watching this show. A great addition to the Disney Plus series that have come out this year. Disney has dropped some fire. But before I continue, guys, take a moment, hit that follow button, share the content, and of course, drop us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. As I was saying, the guys at Disney Plus have been on fire this year, and to wrap the year with a show for the MCU with uh, with Hawkeye, at least as far as we've seen. Brilliant. That damn Kevin Feige strikes again, which is great, though, because I, I actually love the fact that they are capable of relentlessly bringing completely different content to these series. While I'm not going to dive into the past series, I'll be diving into the episode three of Hawkeye. It is great to reflect back and look at the stories that were told with WandaVision and how that was driven from like the House of M stories and then moving into the Cap movie, a.k.a. the Falcon and Winter Soldier or not movie show, uh, really capitalizing on the transition. And then we had Loki, which was again a completely different story, but yet was in the same MCU. The storytelling of each, the directors, the actors, the the culmination of each series that has dropped, standing independent but not, is so unique and so freaking cool, which leads us to, again, the last uh, series that they're going to drop as far as the MCU goes. We do have a new, another MCU movie coming, which obviously we all know is Spider-Man, which is going to be freaking epic. But to wrap this the year with this series, I think, was genius, especially because Christmas plays a role in the movie or in the series, and, and so does a lot of other factors. So let's dive into the story <clears throat> or the show. We're halfway through at the end of this episode. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of cool things that have happened. And uh, let's just dive into it. The story uh, in this episode begins with giving Echo, Maya Lopez, a bit of a backstory. So we understand where and what this character is about. And it also touches on what her abilities are, right? And why she is seeking out the Ronin, or wants to seek out the Ronin, we should say. We have a young Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo, in school, reading lips and and watching and, and trying to understand what's going on, and opens her book up and fills it out with some unique <laughs> items, mostly physical attributes within the book. Uh, the The teacher kind of ridicules and then observes and is like, wow, okay. And then we cut over to a scene with her dad. Uh, 
in which uh, this is kind of cool because her dad or her dad in the comic books is crazy horse, which uh, is, is great to see that. Yes, they brought him in because in the comic book, it was important, which was uh, the daredevil run issue 10. And you get to see, okay. So as a child, she, I I don't want to say struggled, but she had, she had some, uh, a tough go that escalates into her conversation with her dad about our dragons real and the, the world of uh, being deaf versus the world that is not. And one of the things and Zon McClar, uh, what is his name? Zon McLarnan, AKA William Lopez. It plays the actor as the young uh, echoes father and essentially says you have to observe you have to if you want to blend these worlds and understand both you just have to pay attention and then it kind of slides into the next scene where she's uh, being taught martial arts and there is a large boy kind of throwing people around and she it intentionally shows you that she is just paying attention she is learning from what the individual is doing. Now, let me be clear here. She is different from taskmaster in the abilities because while they share that they learn and they mimic and, and whatnot, taskmaster digitally does it. At least that's the MCU version of taskmaster to where Maya Lopez um, interprets it without programming, without anything and learns and adapts very quickly. So, we get this scene where this bully is kind of pushing some kids around in the fight or pushes a kid around. And then it's really cool how they capture this. And, you know, she stands up. She also has a prosthetic uh, lower portion of her leg and she's deaf. And so he's just in there kind of rolling his eyes. She whoops his ass. We transition from that to seeing her father. And there's a piece that maybe a lot of people didn't catch. So her dad stops by again. I, I love how Zon McLaren plays her dad. He's just such a, he's such a great actor and he is so sincere. Like the way that he portrays it, he's very sincere. And he says, Hey, I'm going to be home late tonight. Um, your uncle's going to pick you up after, after you're done here. The uncle part plays throughout this whole episode and is very important. So the scene jumps years years ahead um to actually i'll just explain to right around the ronin days and she is in a ring and again we get the prosthetic leg highlighted we get obviously she's she's deaf still and she's watching the guy's hands and then she beats up this dude in the ring jumps forward to a important scene of her father and and I'm sure I'm jumping some of this around because the this story was kind of told throughout but coffee time boys and girls <clears throat> essentially she's learning very quickly what is going on that's that's kind of her her ability is to adapt learn and then react in lightning speed right so to I guess wrap up the story with her. She goes to see her father 
later in in life, obviously, as an adult or a young adult. And she's going to the tracksuit gangs at this point. We obviously know that he is the, you know, one of one of the one of the capos, one of the one of the underbosses for the tracksuit gang. We you don't really know what level his interaction is or what they've been doing, but nonetheless, you know that. So we show up at what appears to be some kind of like auto shop kind of thing. And Ronan's in there fucking slaying guys. I mean, he is slaying guys relentlessly. And I like that to tell you the truth. I like how it wasn't like some epic battle because the tracksuit guys, I love these characters. I absolutely do. Again, the story in here, the bulk of it, and there's, there's a lot of things that are different, but the bulk of it is from the bad fraction, 2012 Hawkeye run where the tracksuit mafia came out, but I love how they're, they are like the perfect henchmen. They're not that bright. They just do shit. They say funny things. I love, I love that in this show. We've got three episodes with some funny dialogue, some funny character. So Ronan should not have had a problem dealing with these knuckleheads and rightfully so he does not. Um, She's showing up as she sees some stuff going on. She's not sure. She kind of moves around to arrive at seeing Ronan essentially slay her father, jump out the window. She goes to her father's side and uh, it's done. There is a important part that happens there that you may have not have caught. His He's obviously bleeding because he had the Ronan blade shoved through his torso. <laughs> And he touches her face with her bloody hand. Now, to jump over to the Daredevil book in which Maya Lopez was introduced in, which was uh, the Marvel Knights issue number nine, here comes Daredevil, the man without fear. You'll know that that handprint on her face is essentially a part of her her costume or her, her uh, well, her costume. And it's uh, actually amazing art, guys. If you haven't seen Here Comes Daredevil, The Man Without Fear, essentially the Daredevil, Maya Lopez, Echo, and there's there's a lot of other stuff in there. David Mack does the art, the cover art in a lot of these books. It is stunning art pieces, so I advise you to go check that out. Anyways, he does leave the handprint on her face, which I was like, man, these guys I cover, even in subtle instances, because it was only a moment, it wasn't super highlighted. Um, he just touches the side of her face. That's an important uh, an important callback to the source material, which I thought was amazing. So anyways, now we're starting to understand why does this person give a shit about Ronan? And well, clearly because Ronan killed her dad. So we move forward into kind of picking up where we were left off with Kate Bishop and Clint Barton. Obviously, in the previous episode, uh, Clinton Barton got, a.k.a. Hawkeye, got picked up by the tracksuit mafia. They're questioning him about Kate Bishop. He's saying no. She falls through the ceiling. Bam, they're both together. And it's, again, it's super funny. The tracksuit mafia guys are, are saying stupid shit. They've got them taped up on these little amusement rides that you used to see when I was a kid, a product of the 80s and 90s as a child, used to see them. Uh, you don't see them as much anymore, but those quarter inserts, you know, the the unicorn and the rocket ship 
Well, they're taped to them because, and I forgot to mention this in the last episode, these guys are on a KB Toys, which is another callback because um, I'm pretty sure they had to pick up the licensing for KB Toys. And I find it awesome that they did this because KB Toys, Blockbuster, and Cat Marvel. Uh, I just love these kind of throwbacks to these important things because KB Toys sold a shitload of Marvel stuff uh, during during uh, their their heavy run of, of sales and products and whatnot. So anyways, they're in this KB Toys. This stuff's going on. Tracksuit Mafia guys are, are fucking around with them. Um, it starts to highlight Clinton Barton's hearing aid. And there's a funny sequence of one of the tracksuit mafia guys with Kate Bishop to where he's, he's kind of losing his shit off to the side. She's like, Hey, you okay? And he's like, no, no, I'm not okay. I get me and my girlfriend, imagine dragon tickets. And she does not, she wants to take her friends. She doesn't like imagine dragon. And they go back and forth and it's this, this funny thing. And, uh, she ends up talking shit to Hawkeye and see, that's how we could, we need to start communicating and this, that, and the other. Anyways, we get the introduction, the official introduction, the official appearance of Echo coming down and talking with these guys. We also get reintroduced to Kazi, who is her henchman, uh, her main henchman. He's like the sub boss below her. And uh, they come down, they they kind of razzle Clint about Ronan. He just explains, well, first, let me explain, again, highlighted on the hearing aid in which she asks if he's deaf. He's like, no, I'm just hard of hearing. And it's kind of a highlighted piece because it kind of plays throughout this episode. And essentially what happens is he explains to Echo that, look, the Ronin's dead. And she's like, well, how, how do you know? She says, okay, well, Black Widow killed him, um, blah, blah, blah. And that's what happened. Well, how do you know? I was there. I was, I was present when that happened. Oh, of course you were. Uh, so it's funny because he gets untaped and then taped back up and then she gets really pissed. You sure? She starts to get really pissed and, uh, she asks Kate Bishop something Well, she asks via sign language via Kazi to ask Kate Bishop something doesn't like where it's going, grabs her and, and you can see that she's being very aggressive. It shows a quick flashback of her father being murdered. Um, and it escalates. So now Clint Barton's taped behind his back. He of course breaks free, gets out a bunch of chaos happens. They're running around KB toys, uh, echo and Hawkeye get into a skirmish and long story short, cause I'm not going to sit here and, and try to act the action up or, or, or tell you the action. Long story short, big skirmish, a bunch of, bunch of ass kicking happens uh hawkeye gets his bow and arrow loses his hearing aid so now his hearing aid is crushed because it flips out of his ear and breaks kate and clint make their way out there's another funny scene and and like how they shoot this and and the dialogue in this in this show the writers on this just they just kill it they come barreling out of kb toys and there is this press teen 1972 Dodge Challenger. That's absolutely gorgeous. And he, you know, Clint's like, Hey, we need to get a car. And Kate's like, right here. And he's like, I'm not smashing the window on a 72 Challenger, which was awesome. So they end up going and getting into this uh, town car. Um, anyways, he's telling her to drive. She's not driving. Uh, and he can't really hear at this point. They get into an epic car 
car scene. Obviously, they get in the car, they get away. They have all these vehicles following. It's it's a epic car fight scene with explosions and all of that stuff. But some notable notable things. A, they were using a 360 camera in the rear seat of the car while they're ripping through, which I thought was awesome placement of a 360 camera where it's kind of slowly spinning around showing the action action sequence so well played on again on the director's part for the show and then we get introduced to a bunch of special errors there's some funny dialogue between clint and uh and kate again he can't really hear which was kind of interesting but uh nonetheless we get several different arrows we get the uh the play-doh arrow arrow which gets shot into the windshield kind of play-dohs it or slimes the windshield we get the bomb arrow blows up the van um we get the plunger arrow, which ultimately did a whole bunch of nothing um we get the metal string arrow he hits uh the car she actually kate bishop's the one shooting this stuff shoots the the vehicle with it shoots out a bunch of metal bands Clint calls it the Santa arrow because it grabs a shitload of trees and then sucks them into where the arrow was. You get the acid arrow toward the end of the uh, scene where they're, where it's going to conclude on the bridge in which uh, they melt some fucking uh, stoplights down, which was pretty awesome. And then you also get the gas arrow. So uh, all of this stuff kind of transpires. They're obviously fighting the uh, Traxu Mafia that's following them. Um, Echo w- jumped into the 72 Challenger with Kazi. They're barreling after him. Everybody essentially gets delayed, I would say, up to this bridge section where there's a traffic jam. And the Challenger gets totaled because of the gas arrow that uh, Kate Bishop hit him with. The town car that they are in kind of slides sideways. And now it's on to a kind of a face-to-face uh, battle here. So Clint runs and goes and grabs, or excuse me, he doesn't, maybe he doesn't grab it quite yet. Tells her, okay, this is what I want you to do. And this is a, This is another, you got to pay attention to this stuff. There's some subtle things in here that are just awesome. So he tells her, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to shoot high at the truck, aim high. And she's like, yeah, but this is a regular arrow. She's like, don't underestimate the arrows, just shoot high. And she's like, okay. He pulls back what looks to be a bomb arrow. And if you pay very close attention, the tip of the arrow says PIM. PIM. As in PIM particles, as in Hank PIM, as in Ant-Man, as in what's going to happen here. Well, you get to see it. It was pretty freaking epic. She shoots high. He intersects with the PIM arrow, turns this thing into a... the pin particles made that freaking thing a monster arrow crushing the vehicle face off continues they end up uh getting away okay they end up using the plunger arrow in which kate bishop did talk shit about what's the point of a plunger arrow well you get to see the the use of it there shortly after when they do a uh hero superhero type swing from the upper portion of the bridge down to the lower train portion of the bridge and uh, they escape off into no man's land. So, epic scenes, guys. Epic scenes. Um, there is the grand escape, right? And by this point of the show, I'm like, damn, they really, they really hit on a lot of things. But we're still missing a lot of things. Remember, we're halfway through at this point. 
And now it's time to now it's time to do some cleanup for this episode and start setting up what's to come because these next two episodes are going to be very 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 active episodes to say the least, right? So we end up at Kate Bishop's uh the the apartment there and you know Clint's there, he's beat up, he grabs some corn out of the freezer, has it on her uh, has it on his neck. He gets a phone call. Again, he still can't really hear gets a phone call. He thinks it's his wife and he's just trying to get her off the phone. Kate Bishop comes in and she's got a concern. She's like, Oh, that's not, that's not his wife. And again, he can't really hear it's his little boy. And it's a very heart wrenching and very uh, emotional part of the show to where you're like, fuck, this is, you know, this is what normal people can be faced with. And in his instance, um, the consequences of, have relying on the hearing aids as echo mentioned earlier in the episode and not having the ability to fully hear he misinterprets it she starts interpreting um or translating essentially what's being said by her little boy by his little boy excuse me um saying stuff like hey tonight's moving out are you gonna make it home no buddy i'm not gonna be able to do that um well are you gonna be home for christmas dad i'm trying you know, I'll be home for Christmas. And there's, there's some really sensitive dialogue there that was very well placed because the episode started with understanding Echo's origin. We go into this uh, very cool sequence of action between the fight scene in the KB toys to the dynamic <laughs> street race fight thing that happened. And now we're at this point coming back to the realization that, you know, Clint's you know, was on his way to retirement. This is this is his side of the story. Um, and then we jump. So again, this kind of emotional sequence of things, and then we jump over to uh, Echo and Kazi once again, and they're packing up KB toys. They're getting out of there. There's some dialogue there explaining that hey, we got to get out of here. Kazi says, hey, I need to talk to you. Do we have time to talk? And she's, you know, she's just kind of like, ah, he's like, listen, none of these guys understand ESL and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hey, let's talk for a minute. And essentially the dialogue between them is, Kazi is like, listen, we're supposed to be keeping a low profile here per uncle, per our uncle here, per the uncle, (laughs) per the uncle. And we're not. This was a huge scene. A lot of people got hurt. Um, this is what it's costing us to chase the Ronin. I don't think we should be chasing the Ronin anymore. Of course, she feels different. Why? Because her father was slain by the Ronin. And it was an, I feel like uh, it was kind of important because you're starting to, again, get this dialogue like, hey, we shouldn't be doing this stuff. We're drawing too much attention to ourselves. We just had a massive fight scene in the streets that is way different and and it just full circles back so again so in this episode we hear uncle so clearly these guys are working for someone they're not independent so we move forward into this funny the kind of a funny sequence of Kate and Clint sitting on the on the uh sitting on a very small and shallow porch and uh, Lucky, Lucky is there, a.k.a. the pizza dog, which is not named yet, about to be named. 
um, to get Clint's hearing aid fixed because he obviously can't hear very well, if at all, um, without it. So they end up getting it fixed. They transition to a diner, and then there's a discussion between them. Um, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, explain. You know, he explains through some of the dialogue that they have that you know he. more or less is not a role model. He more or less always acted as a goat. And that was triggered from uh, Kate Bishop drawing a, it is funny. And I love that they did this Kate Bishop sitting there and ends up drawing a classic, the classic Hawkeye outfit with the H on the head, kind of the, the Hawk um, eyepieces. And it's supposed to be purple. It's really funny. And he says, no, my whole career, I'm supposed to be a ghost. I'm not a role model. And if I wore a flashy costume, my uh, my wife would have left me. And Kate responds with an explanation of, no, you are a role model. The things that you have done, uh, maybe you don't give your enough, uh, yourself enough credit for it, but look at our situation we're in now. You could have went home with your family and, and just went on with business, but you're here helping me with this situation with the Traxu Mafia not knowing where it's going. You are a hero and uh, it's pretty cool. Um, Clint goes to pay the bill says, Hey, you got to name this dog. Some funny dialogue between Kate and the dog landing on the pizza dog, which is uh, something again, that uh, the dog played a role in one of the past Hawkeye comic books. So I'm, I'm glad that they finally came to that resolution. Um, let's see. There is uh so they come to the conclusion of, okay, now what we're going to do is we got to figure out where the connection points are. So now they have the time to start diving in and start trying to connect the dots. They get to play detective for a minute and they start, they have the ability to start kind of going back and forth also because now he has his hearing aid. Right. And so they have, several lines of dialogue, but essentially what they're, what they're driving toward is like, where are the ties for the tracksuit mafia? Kazi echo Jack. Why is Jack involved with this? What did the tracksuit mafia want at that auction? Was it only the Ronin gear or was it something else? Um, uh, Hawkeye mentions, you know, well, what about some of the other Avenger stuff that could be out there? What about this? And so they're like, okay, so we're going to break into Kate Bishop's mom's, Eleanor Bishop's compound, and we're going to see what we can find out because we know that there's some kind of connection between Bishop, uh, the Traxu Mafia, or they believe there is, Jack, the Traxu Mafia, Echo, the Traxu, Kazi, like there's, there's got to be something more to this. And we also know that there is someone pulling the strings above Echo and the Traxu Mafia and Kazi. Let's see if we can find some information. So they, of course, go to the compound in which it is noted that, hey, my grandfather built this, you know, three generations ago and this and that and what have you. They show up there. They get to a terminal and it's, it's a pretty quick scene. They get to the terminal. Kate starts searching some stuff and she's like, well, wait a second. Let's look up Kazi because like he, he's he's, you know, one of the main henchmen here. He's in the system. He's under Bishop security works for Sloan. He's a contractor through Sloan. And it's like, that's, that's kind of strange, right? Goes to search Jack 
AKA the swordsman and gets disabled immediately. While that is kind of concluding, we've got Clint Barton kind of walking through, and it's kind of an interesting way he does it, kind of walking through looking at the uh, compound and then bam, right at the wall's edge as he's inching past it, the Ronin blade is projected and is at his throat with Jack holding the blade standing in the shadows. And that is the end of the episode leading us in to the fourth episode. Well, not leading us, ending us on the third and setting us up for the fourth episode. So a couple of things um, noted, especially toward the end credits of this show and the previous shows, the end credits from the show, the design on it, if you haven't noticed is awesome. Now the design on this comic book, uh, the Matt Fraction 2012 Hawkeye run. It's the same design by Dave, uh, I think his name is David Aja. Uh, very, very cool and unique art style. And it was the main cover art throughout the whole series and and predominantly throughout the whole the whole uh, run from the 2012 Matt Fraction uh, Hawkeye comic book. So you guys should check that out if you're interested in that. That's I thought was really cool. Also, again, check out the Here Comes daredevil the man without fear art by david mack or david mack art period some incredible stuff will show you the comic representation of echo as well uh, the mad fraction david aja um hawkeye run as well so in summary though guys as as i wrap this i ended up re-watching i had to re-watch this this morning because i did watch it the day of release and was like fuck there's this was cool, but there's some subtle things I think I missed. We got to understand Echo's position and why she's she's out there. We also got to understand and got to see more of the tracksuit mafia, which was much appreciated. We had an emphasis on the uh, the character Echo. In addition to the origin, we got to understand what are some of her abilities are, uh, how being deaf has been a challenge, how uh, she has been able to utilize being deaf and having the prosthetic leg. I mean, she used it to her advantage a couple of times <laughs> throughout the show. Um, and it builds up a very unique character as far as I'm concerned in the show, because while she is leading this segment of the tracksuit mafia and she is chasing the Ronin, those aren't necessarily bad guy traits in this situation because her dad was slain by said Ronan, so forth and so on. We also got to see the weakness of Clint Barton with having his hearing impaired and then losing his device while growing the relationship with Kate Bishop as they try to understand. And as Hawkeye is ultimately at the end of his career and she's trying to or she wants to do more. She wants to do things. And there was a segment and I may have, uh, I may have uh, ran right past it, but there was a segment while at the diner, I believe where Clint explains to her, to Kate that, Hey, putting this Ronin suit on, uh, the, you know, will change your life. And to her, she says, that's, that's kind of what the plan was. My dad was this, this great, this great person. And I was hoping when I put the suit on, 
I would evolve into this great person. And it's like, yeah, well, you put those things on and you're going to attract and your life is going to change essentially what was said early on. So we got that. We got the, the emotional conversation between Clint not being able to hear his son and then the translation between him and Kate, which I felt like was a relationship and a thing that the audience needed because while most of the interaction between the two is very lighthearted, quasi-comical, um, that was a sequence that kind of took it to that emotional level to where it was like, no, this dude's struggling right now. Um, he's not home with his family. He's helping you. And as a consequence, he doesn't get to be home with his kids. Fuck, he couldn't even hear his kid because due to the fact of his missing hearing aid. So we got that sequence. But then again, toward the end, we're starting to get some stuff tied together, right? What do we know about this episode? Well, we know Kazi, the tracksuit mafia, for the most part, is a contractor uh, by the name of working as a contractor by the name of Sloan with Bishop Security. We know something's going on with Jack uh, and there's ties. We know that Bishop Security has ties. We don't know um, to what degree any of those things are. And there is a character, Uncle, in which I got to say it. I'm going to say it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not. That appears like he could be Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin. Because the uncle was around and mentioned when Echo was a child. That's what her dad said. Hey, uncle's going to pick you up and this and that. In the Daredevil run of the comic books, there's a relationship. I don't want to go too far, but there's some definitely uh, some kingpin action in the Maya Fisk or Maya Fisk, Maya Lopez story uh, that we haven't seen. I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to give you that full nugget, but I will say by coincidence, there's some there's some things going on here. So are we getting kingpin as the overarching tracksuit mafia boss? And where does Echo play in that role? And let's let's keep going here. Where's Kazi? Where's Jack Dupree? Where's Eleanor Bishop? What all is is where's all the connections? Guys, we got two episodes of this epic show left. And I am excited to see what happens over these next two episodes. And I hope you guys are as well. We obviously also have one thing I didn't touch on. That's that's gonna be coming and mixing things up. Yelena Belova also. So where are we going with that story? It seems like there's a lot going. I mean, there is. And they they did this with all of the other shows as well, where they build up so many different tie-ins. It's freaking ridiculous. I don't know that they're going to close. They're probably not going to close out some of these subs. That's why Echo is going to get a show. That's my guess, right? If If Kingpin's in it, are they going to go beat Kingpin? I don't think so. I think that uh, we're going to get some of these answers to the questions that we have um, and and get a story arc that we're not quite sure of yet because there's so much hanging out there. Yelena Belova, where does she come in? Does she, what does she do? What doesn't she do? So, so many questions that will hopefully, well, not hopefully, there's going to be answers over the next several episodes. We will be left with uh, some unknowns and some unresolved situations. Or else they wouldn't have the universe that they have, guys. Anyways, this is a super long freaking episode. You're welcome. (laughs) 
So let's wrap it up there, guys. I appreciate you tuning in and checking out this episode of Hawkeye 3 as I dive into it and review it with you. Again, this is the OTE here on the Culture Jack podcast. We appreciate you guys taking the time, checking it out. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We're going to have the new one for episode four next weekend. So I look forward to uh, watching the show, taking some notes, discussing it with you folks. I'm absolutely loving this show. I hope you are as well. And uh, we'll call it there for the day. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.